Hey sis, happy Thursday. Today I'm bringing back an oldie but a goodie. I'm gonna be sharing with you the replay of what is the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. I figured that this refresher would be a blessing for some of you who may be sitting on the fence of, do I really have an unhealthy relationship with food? And I'm not a clinician, so I'm not here to give you a diagnosis. I certainly feel that you should seek out professional support for that, but I share some really insightful facts and stats in this episode that will help you understand the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. Hey y'all, today we're gonna talk about the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder. Maybe you've wondered, is there a difference? What are the common things to look out for for somebody who experiences unhealthy behaviors in disordered eating versus somebody who has an eating disorder? And we're gonna talk about what researchers say are the big differences between the two. Let's dive on in, friend. Hey girl, welcome to the Her Best Self podcast. I'm Lindsay Nichol, former competitive figure skater and perfectionist, turned God-led imperfect boy mom and digital CEO. If you find yourself constantly thinking about food and wondering if you'll wake up one day free from the obsessive thoughts and behaviors controlling your life, then I've created this podcast for you because I know exactly what it's like to be a downright hot mess trapped in the destructive cycle of disordered eating. I finally found freedom and you can too, girlfriend. So if you're ready to heal your relationship with food and body and break the chains of control and show up in your best health, then grab your favorite Tarjay journal and let's get to it. So you can start living your best life as your best self. Hey guys, so today we are going to talk about the difference between disordered eating and having an eating disorder and really break down the number one distinguishing factor between the two um, and what to look out for, you know, if you or somebody that you love um, has some of these behaviors, tendencies, or symptoms um, and what to do, you know, from that point forward. So the biggest difference between disordered eating and having an eating disorder is the severity, the frequency, and really what it comes down to is the degree of the symptoms. So let me talk a little bit about that. Disordered eating is a descriptive behavior, okay? So when we think about having a disordered relationship with food, we're thinking about having certain behaviors or having certain patterns of eating that one would say is not typically, you know, a normal intuitive pattern of eating, okay? So like think about any other reason that you are eating or not eating outside of like nourishment and hunger, okay? So another example of that would be eating to deal with stress, or maybe like you're going through a breakup or a divorce or a traumatic event. And so there's, you know, two different types of eating behaviors that can cause those things, right? Like you, you restrict that because of stress or you can overeat because of stress. And so any other eating outside of nourishment, hunger, and really feeling that you're eating for intuitive reasons within your body. So 
Another, you know, key indicator of a disordered eating pattern or behavior is if you are really restrictive in calorie counting, maybe you eat a lot of food and you purge that food. Maybe you are constantly switching diet pills or you're over-exercising. And there's this like irregularity within your patterns on, you know, a short period of of time, right? So like you can go a little while and experience some of these things and you want to get that control back in your life. And then you can kind of experience different behavior patterns, such as, you know, avoiding different food groups. Maybe you don't eat carbs. Maybe you are a clean eater. And we'll talk about more of what the actual term is for that. But Maybe you're a clean eater. Maybe everything has to be, you know, five ingredients or less. It's become kind of obsessive and you avoid major food groups like bread or you avoid major food groups like desserts and you won't touch them with a 10 foot pole. And so doing those sort of, you know, behaviors is definitely disordered in terms of you are withholding eating and you're not thinking of it from an intuitive, like, what does my body want at this moment? But you are, you know, restricting or overeating because of perceived fears that you're going to gain weight. Now, another thing is, you know, disordered eating is, in fact, extremely serious. So I don't want to get it twisted on that increment there. But you can have an eating disorder and, of course, have these disordered eating patterns. However, there is the difference of being able to just have disordered eating patterns and you have not been diagnosed, which is the biggest reason that there is a difference there, between having those disordered patterns and, let's say, actually getting a diagnosis from a physician, psychiatrist, okay? And so that is... Also, a lot of info that you can find out from the American Psychiatric Association. So essentially, there is a manual called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And I will not pretend like I know all the deets there, guys. But that is the psychological primary reason that there is the difference. It is a clinical diagnosis, okay? So you have these behaviors And it is taken over. It is an obsession. It is a mental illness, okay? This is where, you know, for the longest time in our society, people thought, oh, well, you can just eat to cure an eating disorder. But these are innate, like, identity shifts. And we're going to talk a lot a bit about how I allowed myself to reclaim my identity during recovery in order to break free from my battle with my eating disorder, Really, the behaviors in an eating disorder are a reflection of our internal struggle and our identity. And so this obsession becomes this psychological obsession. And we repeat having these daily, constant, severe, multiple unhealthy patterns that are controlling our lives. And that's when it becomes a full-out eating disorder. So you can kind of see like the spectrum there, right? Dieting is one of the primary contributors to eating disorders because we start dieting, we start limiting some things, and then that becomes, you know, that disordered eating, we're doing it more frequently, and then that can lead to, you know, the ultimate clinical diagnosis that you would receive. So anything that, you know, is like a descriptive behavior, right, that we would not classify as normalized eating behaviors, 
is what we would constitute as disordered eating. And then anything that is a clinical diagnosis from the DSM would be that psychological aspect, okay? And what's really crazy about this is that disordered eating is actually a little bit more difficult to recognize because you might not have like the physical appearance of being anorexic per se and being severely underweight, right? That's why you will see a lot of people that experience all of these disordered eating patterns and they look like they're, you know, have a normal relationship. You can't tell that they're malnourished. And many people would say that they don't have disordered eating in their life, but they might not even know that some of these patterns actually are having an unhealthy relationship with food. When we think about, and I'll have another, you know, episode that goes a little bit deeper into like what is intuitive eating and all the things, right? But when we think about eating, I try to talk to my clients about Think about a kid. Like when I look at my sons, they eat when they're hungry. They eat what they want and they tell me what they want when they're hungry, right? And then they stop when they're full. And we acknowledge that like in our family, like we make that a big deal. And so it's those normal eating behaviors that we as a culture have gotten like so far away from in terms of like always having to be on a diet or what's the next best diet or having those reasons to restrict or to overeat uh, as almost like a reward. And it's become so twisted, guys. So really, when we're thinking about avoiding any major food groups, like we're scared that we're going to gain weight from like a bagel, like all of those things, those are disordered eating behaviors that, you know, as a society, we like normalized. But reality is anything outside of eating for nourishment or hunger and allowing our body to tell us what that looks like is actually not eating to live. It's like, it's really this disordered perception and we've gotten it so twisted and especially over the recent years. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the key things to look out for from a disordered eating perspective. And again, you can have these things and be diagnosed clinically with an eating disorder but both are extremely, you know, severe and extremely important to look out for. So a couple things, you know, negative body image, right? So women, I would say, really, I mean, we have those negative images every single day in our head, like when we're in the shower, when we're putting on our clothes, you know, like when we're seeing somebody else on social, like we get all of these things, right? But it's what we do with those things. Like it's okay to have a negative day, right? But if we're leaning to rigid exercise or we're going on strict cleanses or we're fasting or omatting or doing purging or laxatives, all of that, all of those dieting behaviors, those cycles of stress around food, any self-bargaining, like if you've ever said like you're out with friends, I'm going to eat this tonight and then tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do cardio for an hour and 30 minutes, right? Like these are all things that are not typical in, in terms of an intuitive eating pattern or an intuitive, you know, well-being pattern. And so it's definitely not healthy behavior to have that sort of thing. It's, it's that self-bargaining. 
And so not to mention, these behaviors typically are how eating disorders come to form. And so I touched a little bit on that, but like when you think about, oh, I'm just being healthy today. I'm going to have a salad today, right? I hear that all the time. And then that turns into, maybe I do, you know, I have been told by my, my doctor that I do need to lose some weight. So then I'm going to start restricting or I'm going to start calorie counting to the point where it's not even like a healthy restriction for my body. It is a beyond healthy restriction. I will also tell you that the statistics are crazy and I'm not going to go like into too much of that today because there's definitely going to be, it's on the list to have an entire episode around statistics. But I will, I will say that in some of the statistics that I have researched, what is super, super crazy, and you can find this on, um, you know, NIDA, which is the National Eating Disorder Association, as well as some of the other like eatingdisorderassociation.org sites. But 75% of women report that they have disordered eating behaviors and 53% guys of dieters are already at a healthy weight. Let that sink in. 39% of women say that concerns that they have around food interfere with their happiness. And according to the American Anorexic and Bulimia Association, the most significant behavior that leads to eating disorders is dieting. Dieting, you guys. Like 45 million Americans diet every year, according to the Washington Post. And then I'm going to throw out one additional stat for you today. Again, National Eating Disorders Association found out that of people who diet, 35% progress to pathological dieting. Of the 35% that continue to get on and off of diets, 25% of those develop an eating disorder. Clinical, psychological, mental illness, disorder, okay? Like this is this is crazy. And so what we're seeing in our culture is it's really starting with like I just want to be healthy, but anything outside of allowing our body to have that intuitive relationship with food, it becomes unhealthy. What I want to break down before we wrap up today's episode because clearly by now like there's a difference right between disordered eating and having a full-on eating disorder is that really when it comes to the causes we think of trauma stress culture okay the primary severity I talked about with the eating disorder diagnosis and the level and degree of symptoms it interferes with somebody's ability to function across multiple layers of their life. And so I'll just kind of share with you like a personal snip of my struggle and my story and how it kind of started. And I've shared this in my intro and of course, you know, on other places as well, but I'll talk about it regularly with you in case this will help you or somebody that you love. But I really went from like a healthy body weight, right, to having this traumatic experience happen in my life. And felt like, okay, well, now I can no longer just eat whatever I want and feel what my body wants me to eat and, you know, experience nourishment that way as an athlete and even as an adolescent. 
But now I have to practice some behaviors that are going to help me to lose weight, even though I don't need to lose weight. And those behaviors started looking like picking better, healthier choices at restaurants. And then that went to, oh, now I know what calories are. And I am like, oh, well, I Google and it says I need 1,200 calories a day. Well, I don't even know how many I was eating before, right? Again, I was eating intuitively. I was healthy. Um, I was allowing my body to tell me what I needed. And then after that, playing a game of like, well, can I get under the 1,200? Well, can I limit my carbs? Can I limit my sugars? Like what, you know? And so that is like this spectrum, right? So if it if it is the interference of an ability of normal daily behaviors to function. And so what went from, oh, I'm just going to be healthy and make healthier choices, which was still disordered eating patterns, it really, really quickly funneled into, oh, I, you know, I'm not going to go out and eat this today. I'm going to look at foods as good or bad. Now I'm skipping meals. Now I'm restricting calories. And then what happened when I was like full out diagnosis was really across the ability to function across multiple layers of my life, right? And so I have, I have so many memories of like my school because at the time I was in college. So like not being able to function on exams, not being able to function on tests. Like I saw a drop in my achievement there obviously energy, right? Um, And my skating went down like the tank because there was no energy to produce that, you know, motivation and um, like I had had as as a skater. And so not only that, but I started that like avoidance. And we'll talk a little bit about this, but my relationship started like really turning for the worst because it was like, I didn't want to be around people. I started avoiding people. And so, you know, all of these things, this is kind of like an example of the spectrum of what you will see that lead from, oh, let me just, you know, have or put, get my toes wet into some unhealthy patterns that I really don't need to be, you know, engaging in. And then let me, you know, have a full on clinical diagnosis. But I want to to leave you guys with something that's extremely important with all of this. And I'm going to talk about, you know, having healthy relationships with yourself, your body, you know, really finding your true identity that's inside of you that has nothing to do with weight or, you know, food choices or that sort of thing. But when we think about relationships, in order to be in a healthy relationship, you have to talk about the things that bother you, right? Like when we think about our partners, even if you disagree or agree and having a relationship with yourself, like the primary communication even there needs to be like acknowledging the fact that you have these maybe negative body image experiences or thoughts and really talking to yourself about what is the truth behind those thoughts, right? Because this kind of, this is what, progresses so fast when we go from, you know, the dieting mentality and then obviously to even becoming diagnosed with an eating disorder. And so really those thoughts, it's all in our minds. And like, this is why it is such a mental illness, you guys, is that over time, like our minds will play tricks on us. And so really having that healthy relationship with ourselves 
and going, okay, today I'm not having like a great day. Like I don't feel confident in my skin. I don't, you know, that's okay. Like that is fair. That is valid, right? What thoughts around that, like what perceptions am I having because I'm having that feeling right now with myself? Like what is the thought behind that? And really navigating that, okay? So thinking like, oh, I just scrolled on social and saw like 500 girls that are, you know, repping, I don't know, like a sports clinic or something. And it made me feel insecure about myself. Okay. And then going, but that's not truth. Like who says that that is like the end all be all, right? Like we don't know their situation. We don't know what they're going through. And so what's so crazy is that you'll find, especially when it matters, you guys, like, and I don't say it never matters in terms of our lifespan because it always matters. But what we're finding is that women and girls are, you know, they're getting so caught up in this social aspect and this diet culture mentality that the age is getting younger and younger. Okay. Like there's like girls in elementary school that are on diets and girls that are 14 and 15 that are being diagnosed with these very severe eating disorders, guys. And many of them who do not need to be, you know, they're clearly not overweight. I'm just saying that and to being conscious with you that it, it can become like this downhill battle very, very quickly. Um, there's also, we're going to talk about like the differences of different, you know, clinical, and this is all public knowledge. You can go out there and you can research the different eating disorders that are out there clinically in the manual. But really like this is also something when it comes to like overeating, right? It's like we're still experiencing those patterns of unhealthy behaviors that are not intuitive to our life. So it's not just restrictive. It can also be the opposite end of the spectrum, right? And again, you know, a lot of that blame does go to culture, but it's what we're allowing our mind to hold to like the number one value in our heart right? Like when we care about what other people think of us more than we have a good relationship with ourselves, like that's where you start seeing the cycle. I know that was a ton today, but what I really want to to say to you guys is if this is a concern in your life or in somebody that you love, get educated about it. Of course, I'm going to share as much as I can here, but get educated about it. You know, talk to your licensed mental health professional. There are plenty of people that can help support this as well as me. I'm a certified eating disorder recovery coach and I can talk to you about, you know, on a personal level, like things to to watch out for. And if maybe you're experiencing some unhealthy behaviors with food, we can kind of coach around that in working with a a, uh, licensed professional to, you know, help support and work through that diagnosis process if that's something that we need to watch out for as well. But make sure that you are extremely educated about this because it can go downhill really, really quickly because the mind has power over our hearts, unfortunately, until we learn the truth of intuitive behaviors that are inside of us. And so today I really just wanted to share because so many people feel like there's not a difference between disordered eating versus an eating disorder. And I personally would disagree. They're completely different. Now, one can lead to the other, right? Disordered eating can lead to an eating disorder. But really what I want you guys to take away today 
it's the criteria, it's the severity, and that doesn't mean that disordered eating is any less serious than somebody that has a clinical diagnosis, but it is those behaviors that have occurred time and time of again. And what is really, really scary is that those behaviors tend to not decrease over time, but they tend to increase. And that is what really is scary in terms of, you know, moving to the spectrum of a full-out eating disorder. So I hope you got some goodies from today. And I just want to say I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy that I can help you guys. I'm happy that I get to share my voice with the world. And remember that it is so important to let our inner selves guard and guide our life. And so I just wanted to say today, thank you so much for listening in. If you or somebody are struggling with an eating disorder, you can go out to so many resources. Um, You can find them on the National Eating Disorder Association. You guys, like, let's make this something that is discussed more, okay? Like, instead of talking about what diet we did last week, let's talk about how like those things don't even need to be occurring when you you don't need to be on a diet. You need to be living to your true self. You need to be acknowledging what your body wants for you. And the missing ingredient here is that identity and knowing your worth and having that healthy relationship with yourself. So I hope that you enjoyed today and go out and share this podcast with somebody that you think it will impact their life. We are just getting started, guys. I cannot wait to share, you know, some golden nuggets from my personal journey with you. Go out, rate and review the show because that is what allows us to get our mission out with the world. So until next time, thank you so much. And I will talk with y'all soon. Oh, friend, thank you so much for letting me share what was on my heart today. My hope for this podcast is to help more women find freedom from food and body. If this has empowered or blessed you, let me know. I'd be honored for your rating and review of my show, and I'd love to connect with you in my private Facebook community. You really can move from perfection to purpose. Let's break the chains together. I'll help navigate the way. Until next time, bye for now, girl.